been uh, something's been on my mind a little bit lately uh, as I've been thinking about this passage in the Book of Acts that I wanted to just share a few thoughts on today. Um, it comes from Acts chapter four. You know, we were just not too long ago we were in a, a, a long study in the Book of Acts, and so this kind of goes pretty far back. Last time we covered it, but there are elements of it that have been on my mind lately, and just to kind of fill in the blanks a little bit. Um, the early believers uh, were under persecution by, um, um, you know, their Jewish countrymen, the Pharisees, the scribes, and that they, um, when the preaching of Jesus uh, started to burst forth from the early church, it was met immediately with opposition by the religious leaders. And so, uh, in this particular instance, Peter and John are arrested and they're threatened because. Here they've healed this guy, and then they used it as an opportunity to preach the gospel. They got arrested, and they're being persecuted for preaching the name of Jesus. And and essentially, um, the feeling is that you're bringing the guilt of this man upon our heads in this kind of thing. Um, and so, as they recognize the unlearned, nat- unlearned nature, in other words, the relatively uneducated uh, you know, in terms of theology and stuff, they didn't go to the rabbinic schools and those kinds of things. You know, they were just fishermen, but yet they preached about the Lord with boldness, with a knowledge of the word. They had the power of God at work in them when they were bringing healing and this kind of thing. Uh, they recognized, as it says in verse thirteen, that they were uh, they recognized the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men. They marveled and they realized that they'd been with Jesus and. Being with Jesus in, you know, in this context, we see this and we say, oh, well, that's really where the power came from. And this is where their knowledge and experience came from. They were actually with Jesus. And so it didn't require a rabbinic education. They'd been with the master and this kind of thing. <clears throat> but the other side of that, or in connection with that, is that being with Jesus meant being persecuted because you were associated now with this, you know, this Messiah person that they had all rejected. Well, <clears throat> you know, that's partly what's been kind of on my mind lately is that when they faced persecution for being with Jesus, um, their response to this is what I want to focus on. It's, it, it follows in verse 23, uh, really always grips me a little bit. And I wanted to read it. Uh, and being let go, They went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. And so when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and sea and all that's in them, uh, by who by the mouth of your servant David have said, why did the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? Uh, the, The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. And then he goes on to describe how that literally just happened right with them. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your holy servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place that they were assembled together was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. This is the part that gets me. Um, when they faced that persecution, they went back, shared that their experience with their brothers and sisters. They all began to pray and rather than pray, God, you know, 
deliver us from this persecution, get us out of here, keep us from experiencing these things. They pray for continued boldness to go right back into it. Um, And the place was shaken. The Holy Spirit just flooded the place. And the believers were no doubt richly encouraged by God's manifest sort of presence in their midst there in confirmation that what they were praying was very much in the heart of God. Uh, And I know that for sure, that this was in the heart of God, because in uh, in their own explanation uh, of uh, an understanding of what had happened, it lined up perfectly with what God said was going to happen in the scriptures. Um, in quoting the Old Testament, they they recognize that they're living in the days of the fulfilling of those things, where um, even up to the point where all of these different groups and leaders, Herod, Pilate, the Gentiles, uh, Israel, coming against Christ and doing to him those things that were ordained before by the Father himself. Um, Paul would say that all who seek to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Now, when we talk about this, it's easy to sort of get this sort of pseudo bravado going here where it's like, you know, yes, we're supposed to just grit our teeth and suffer and all this kind of thing. And we almost make it seem like we wanted to just come on, you know, and I've and as if to say I've sort of got all that it takes to face this persecution. I'm man enough for it or whatever. It's, it can kind of almost become a bit of an arrogant sort of response to this kind of thing. Nobody, including the disciples, wanted to be persecuted, but they accepted the idea that this is part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Jesus said, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. Remember, they hated me first but they're going to hate you. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. Paul, again, reiterating that this is what happens for those who love God and, and follow Jesus or those who are who are with Jesus. Well, you and I today you know, may not have had the exquisite privilege of walking with Jesus in space and time in a physical sense like the disciples did, like the apostles did, but we are those who are with Jesus today. We are those who know him and speak of him, um, presuming we do, right? But that's that that we we're in that category. That's us, um, and so we sh- we should understand that part and parcel with that is going to come varying degrees of persecution, and depending on where you are in the world, this could be extremely physical, even bringing death. In other places, it might just simply be ostracized or being made fun of. Certainly, even in the West, where by and large we've lived in a kind of Christianized culture, a Judeo-Christian ethic under, under undercurrent in the country, we're moving further and further away from that every single day. We're moving into a society that is decidedly not, you know, um, Francis Schaeffer used to call it a post-Christian culture in that. Uh, certainly uh, Chuck Colson did. I think uh, uh, Francis Schaeffer actually is the one who first began to speak of, of the West this way. But But as we continue in our day to move that way, um, it, it will kind of demand of us uh, sort of a, um, a making of a choice. <clears throat> Am I going to be a Christian for the sake of glorifying Christ in, a, in the midst of a world that is very overtly and obviously opposed to him? Uh, and am I willing to do that regardless of what it costs me? Um, what if I do lose a job? What if I do... Um, um, suffer literal persecution? What if my family rejects me? Uh, what if my kids don't want anything to do with me? What if my wife leaves me? Now, of course, on a personal note, those last few things are not happening. But 
I'm not trying to send a message. That's not happening. But but what if it did? You know, what if you know, what if someone if 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 I come to Christ and everybody I know doesn't want anything to do with me anymore? Well, those are not light things. Those are huge things in the lives of most people. And so it really comes down to the point of what truly is the most important thing to me. This is the kind of question that a passage like this, understanding the application in our own lives today, this is the kind of question that this sort of thing elicits. Um, have I decided and, and purposed in my heart, have I come to the place, maybe not purposed in my heart or decided, maybe that's a, a weird way to put that, but have I come to a place where I recognize that the person who has the most sway in my life, the person who matters most to me, the one who literally, as the way, the truth, and the life, is the foundation for who I am as a human being in every way, have I come to a place where I realize that actually is Jesus, or have I not? Uh, and if not, why not? You know, I mean, I'm not pushing that, I'm just asking that. You know, is there something that about my Christianity that has never allowed me to get deep enough to really come to that place of recognizing that? Am I, do I have a, a version of Christianity, of, of, of living out my faith that is sort of insulated from much of what we're reading about here in Acts chapter 5? Now, again, this is not saying we go out looking for this kind of thing, Um you know, the implication is that you don't have to go look for it. When you look at Scripture, these things come upon believers. So do I hide my faith so that I don't have to experience those things? Or do I live out my life as a believer, both in word and deed, not being obnoxious? You know, Peter kind of talks about, you know, if you're persecuted because you're obnoxious, that's a different thing. But if I just simply live out my faith as a believer, where there's no mistaking that Jesus is number one in my life, the person of Christ. He is my Savior, and He is the one that is my Lord. He's the one who is the boss of me, the, the director of my days, the, uh, the one who's at the very center of all that I am. Have I, have I truly embraced that? Now, I'm, I'm saying these things, and I'm not asking them purely rhetorically, but I'm also recognizing that it's easy to say those things. And when it comes down to it, to falter on those things. So I'm, I'm really not trying to approach this in some condemnation sense. I'm, I'm trying to approach it in more of a thought-provoking um, poke at it and let's, let's see where we're really at kind of a thing. And so that being said, um, you notice here that in their commitment to Christ, regardless of what that brings upon them, God responded to that. Um, the place was shaken as they prayed. They were given boldness to preach. This was God saying, yes, this is, this is the right direction. This is exactly what I'm, I'm, I'm calling you to. And if we recognize that's what's going on here, then we need to recognize that's also right for us. This is what God is calling us to. This is what God calls believers in every generation and every circumstance to. And I think the times that we're living in uh, demand of us that we come to a place where we decide, is that, is that where I'm at or not? Um, the world is never going to go back to what it was. You know, we talk about prophecy, and, and in doing so, we talk about the Great Reset or some of the expressions that, that belie it, the idea of build back better. 
the idea that we, we we're using our circumstances to build a different kind of a world that is decidedly different than the previous one we've been living in. Well, that should we should sort of recognize that as people who really don't belong to this world, this is not our home, that it will be moving in the direction of, of, of the one who does have sway in this world. We live for a different one. Um, and the reality of that is something that I think is worth contemplating as a believer. It's something that's worth taking time quietly away from all the distractions and thinking through with the Lord, prayerfully kind of working through that. And landing on a place where we, like these first century believers, um, rather than shy away, continue to move toward, um, continue to press on regardless of the personal cost. Again, that's easy to say, not always easy to do. But God blessed that mindset in the way that really mattered. And so... um, you know, maybe this is uh, an easy thing to talk about in a westernized uh, Christian culture because so much of westernized Christianity is much more man-centered. It's about just sort of enter- being entertained or having a light version of Christianity that sort of fills a gap in my life and this kind of a thing. It's, it's kind of far removed by and large from the kind of thing we read about in the book of Acts. But it seems to me, scripturally speaking, that we're better to move toward the church in the book of Acts than away from um, and if I'm willing to accept that, then I'm willing to say, okay, well, that means that Jesus is probably going to change a lot of things about me internally to sort of make me like this. So again, I'm just sharing these thoughts. Um, uh, I've just been mulling this over, and it seemed like something that maybe was worth mulling over out loud. So for what it's worth, something to think about, something to pray about. Um, it's not. Please don't mistake this as being some kind of a kick in the pants, go try harder. That's not really what it is. This has to do not so much with doing as much as being. Um, we were talking about this in our earlier prayer meeting this morning. Um, or I was thinking about it uh, as we were opening our prayer meeting. The idea of knowing, like Paul would say in Philippians 3, the idea of knowing God, um, knowing Christ, both in the power of his resurrection, but even being conformed to his death. Wow, the power of the resurrection part, yay, that, that part I kind of get. The being conformed to his death part is a bit of a challenge. Um, because dying to self, taking on my cross every day and following after him, crucifying the flesh, walking in the spirit, not fulfilling the lust of the flesh, that's, that grates against my nature, right? That's difficult, that's hard. But there's power in that, that comes in that purity of, not just purity of, personhood, but purity and in, in, in seeking to walk in purity and that kind of thing, I mean. But it also comes from a purity of perspective and priority, recognizing that I'm going to stumble, I'm going to fall along the way, um, but take on a sort of this one thing I do, setting behind the things that are before, pressing on toward those things that are ahead. I press on toward the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Um the cross ever before and the world behind kind of a thing. Um, I didn't have notes down. I wasn't writing down like some I wanted to talk about today. Again, this is just sort of raw, raw footage, raw thinking kind of about some of these ideas that I do find myself thinking about. Uh, you know, I would say periodically these thoughts would come to mind over the years of my walk with Christ, but I find them being kind of a more consistently pervasive thing. 
Um, I think a lot of it has to do with seeing the world continuing to move away. And as we're on our search and rescue mission, trying to pull people from the fire and trying to bring the gospel to those who are, uh, who are perishing in that, I'm reminded more and more every day of just how other this world is from the kingdom of God. And, uh, and as I find myself less and less at home in it, um, it causes me to think about these things more, I guess, just simply put. So for what it's worth, something to think about, just sort of a, uh, something to meditate on from a biblical perspective. Don't empty your mind. I'm just, but, you know, to mull over these things like David would suggest in Psalm 1 or something. Um, anyway, so I just wanted to share those thoughts with you today. Just again, it wasn't so much a Bible study per se, just, uh, just uh, felt led to share that. So hopefully there's something in there that prods some thoughts, stirs up some prayer, brings some clarity. I don't know. Prayerfully do with it as you will. But Father, thank you so much for giving us your word and giving us the examples of the saints that have gone before. You know, whether it be here in the book of Acts, whether it be Hebrews 11, wherever it might be. Um, thank you, Lord, for those examples because they do remind us of uh, what it looks like to live in, uh, in a place where you are the priority where you're the thing that matters most, where people in space and time living daily lives and, and, uh, and facing actual, real, you know, real-life persecution, resistance, uh, living under threat, how they didn't shy away because of those things, but rather prayed for the strength to press on with, uh, with, uh, with a true sense of commitment, come what may, trusting you that whether good or bad circumstances, these things are from your hand, accomplishing ultimately your purposes. And um, and like <clears throat> you know, like Paul would say, a bond slave or an under rower, um, our role is to to just jump on board with that, to 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 tie ourselves in to what you want to do and surrender ourselves uh, to die to self, to um, not be the one trying to direct how things go, but leaving that to you, the Master, the Lord. So. Work on our hearts and our minds that way. Help us to see our days the way they saw theirs and to respond in our day the way they did in theirs. Thank you, Father. And uh, just pray that you'd be with us. Fill us with your Holy Spirit overflowing. Give us boldness. Shake the room in our hearts to confirm the rightness of such a thing. Uh, bring us to a just a clear sense of understanding and priority that our lives are not our own, but we're bought at a price. Therefore, we'll glorify you with our bodies. So thank you, Father. We love you, not only with our lips, but from our hearts. We surrender ourselves and crucify the flesh, handing over our worldviews, handing over our, our schedules, handing over our ambitions and hopes and plans. All these things, ultimately, Lord, we want to leave uh, in your rightfully in your hands. So thank you, Father, for all this. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>